What's up guys, for today's guest we've got the insanely talented artist Kat Machen joining us. Now Kat first started her journey as an accomplished executive producer of a well-known video game franchise Warhammer 40,000 as well as a DJ playing to massive crowds until one day she decided to change everything, pick up a paintbrush again and start fresh. Now she's one of the leading artists in the industry and one of the very few creating such in-depth gorgeous paintings of the universe and our galaxy. And did I mention they glow in the dark? Also due to such high demand, Kat's work has a two year wait list and if she does sell a piece, it's gone in under two minutes just like her most recent collection, Elevens. Kat also has some really awesome tutorial videos giving you a behind the scenes of her creating her magic as well as some highly anticipated NFTs coming in the near future. As always, please show support by hitting that subscribe button, click the thumbs up and notification bell and let's go. Joining me, Kat. I appreciate you hopping on. I know you are super, super busy. Um, I know you're working on that commission piece that you've um, been posting about, as well as your many other projects. Uh, but we have uh, Catherine Machen in the house. Um, and what's going on with you? How are things going? Um, yeah, I'm doing good. Obviously, as you said, I've just got a lot of work as an artist. Do you want to describe me what I do every day? <laughs> what do I do in a day? I mean, whatever works for you. This is just you and me chatting, so it doesn't really matter. I'm just curious to see what's going on because I know you had that commission piece. How's, how's that coming along? Um, yeah, so I have like I have like a two-year waiting list, or probably more actually, for commissions. Um, <laughs> but it's been kind of impacted by COVID. A lot of people, you know, I've got, I was trapped outside of Australia for eight or nine months. So I wasn't really? next to my studio. I wasn't able to paint. Well, I, I was, but not on the big pieces because, mm. you know, you just can't fit like a piece that's like two meters. What's that? Six, seven feet or whatever in your bag. Right. <laughs> not easily anyway. <laughs> right. Big bags. So um, I'm just like trying to crank through them, uh, which is, it's fun. It's great. So it, it's, it's strange because like I, I've only been painting for five years. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And um, I still feel like I'm very much learning what I'm doing, even though, like, it's weird because a lot of people talk to me as like one of the most prolific space artists in the world today. And that is just, it's a weird thought. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I've not quite come to terms with it. I mean, you've cornered the market, you've like taken that genre and just perfected it. So I think that's probably why you're probably one of the only very few people that does that genre so well. Yeah, there are some really amazingly talented people, but I think I think a lot of people haven't been able to make it mainstream, not mainstream, but they've not been able to necessarily like uh, grow their followers or not that it's about follow account, but it's just about right. like getting the message out. Cause like, right. you know, like I'm getting into the crypto side of things and we always right. talk about shilling, right? Which is like, you promoting your project hmm. but I'm like you don't need to promote your project you promote the cause that you're painting for and for me it's like sharing the universe with people is like the most important thing if I, I could shield the universe all day every day and like I would never get I would never get all even if I've got nothing to sell I'd just be like the universe is amazing <laughs> like it's so cool <laughs> every conversation is the universe <laughs> space space so, yeah I'm just I just yeah so it's 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 funny and you know, it's been an interesting story getting to this point because I spent most of my life avoid it, I have this like deep 
uh, almost guilt, I would say, right? Because I am now going into like a lot of Twitter spaces and, do, and talking to like lots of people, which is really cool. A bit like Clubhouse, I don't know. It's kind yeah. of newish. And um, I'm hanging out with all these people that are desperate to be artists and full-time artists. And I spent my whole life trying to avoid being an artist because I thought artists were failures. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I, studied in, I like studied engineering and um, and then went from engineering to making video games and did that for a decade. I was going to touch on that. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. So you, you were originally, before you started becoming a full-time painter, you were a professional, you were an engineer for video games. And then you had some sort of nervous breakdown, you said, right? One day? Oh yeah, 100%, a big, well, big, a big one. How was that? <laughs> what, like, what happened there? How did that go? If you don't was, mind recalling it. Was it was the most, oh yeah, no, most amazing moment of my life. And I'm not saying that facetiously because it really was like, everyone asks me like, what's the key to success? And I think it's like, if you have a few good nervous breakdowns. <laughs> Just have a breakdown. What? Right, and, and here's the reason why, right? Because we always see it as this re incredibly negative thing, but for me, what it is, it's a line in the sand. It's a point of no return, right? You get a choice to consistently continue with your life in the direction it's going, or you can make that change, right? And if you don't choose not to change, it will keep on coming around and around and around, right? Right. And um, so I studied engineering, like mechanical, but when I was in video games, I was doing like 3D art, um, and like technical art, so like rigging characters up, you know, so getting mesh attached to bones and special effects and mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. But puppet, I refused to call whatever. myself an artist. You were doing like puppet stuff. rigging and all that with the 3D? Yeah, I was yeah. doing puppet rigging and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, but I hated it because at that time I was just adamant that I could not be an artist and that this was a path to failure. <laughs> so I ended up going into management. You know, and I became like a lead artist where you actually don't do any art. <laughs> you just yeah. lead all the artists. You manage everybody. Right. And then, you know, and then department lead and then going into like leading a video game project, which is like multiple studios across the world, hundreds of team members underneath me, obviously not directly reporting to me, thank God. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you got to have that buffer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in that point when I was executive producer, I, because, you know, I think we go into something. I think that one of the most important things for humans to, to achieve is a sense of purpose, right? right? And we often don't realize our deep calling in life. So often we chase a ladder. We're like, if I, and that's what I did. I was at the bottom of an industry and I said, I will be happy when I'm at the top. So, and the problem is I got to the top and I was like, fuck, I'm at the top of this goddamn ladder and now I'm stressed, overworked, 14 to 16 hours a day, not sleeping, not eating, can't physically look after myself. I've not even seen my spouse. I was working seven days a week, like all the time. And I was at breaking points and I was like, this is not what I wanted. Like, this is definitely, like I, I thought that I wanted it because it's like, you chase the title, but right. it's actually not what it's about. Like if you're on the wrong ladder, you're on the wrong ladder. You need to get off and get on the one that is your life's purpose. Mm. And um, I just didn't know it back then because I think I was a bit, I mean, we all are, because I don't think anyone sits you down and goes, what's your life's purpose? And it's not easy <laughs> to work out, you know, right? And 
and it needed me to get to that breaking point for me to be like I forced you know I rage quit the industry um, because I was like I cannot physically do this it's making me miserable and breaking me inside you know there's this moment where I was sleeping under my desk um, because I was too physically tired to drive home, I would have killed myself on the on the roads. Mm. And uh, I woke up, and you know, I got bits of shit stuck to my face—not literal shit, but you know, like crumbs and bits of post-it notes and everything. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. rubbish stuck to my face. And I was woken up by the cleaner who would come in to vacuum. Mm. You know what I mean? Because uh, I was just ready to just hit it again. I like I was just broken and crumbling and stressed and, and deep down I was like why am I even fucking doing this right. like video games are cool and I understand more than anyone right the importance they play in society because yeah. everyone needs time to unwind and have a good time and you know, life's not work 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 but I felt like I was ultimately creating something something that would distract someone from achieving the highest heights like I was just making distraction mechanisms to people I wasn't I didn't feel like I was benefiting society uh, you know and that was more like a personal thing because the, the it's kind of like the messages and the wording you put around your purpose is you know kind of unique to whatever you believe right but I was just at the point where I was like why am I even doing this like I am literally killing myself for like what like, am I actually creating some be something better in the world? And I was like, is this all it's going to be? Me breaking for like crap? <laughs> like, mm. do you know what I mean? And I, I was like, can't do this. So we launched that game, you know, when we got, we got, we won best video game 2015. Really? Um, Are you allowed to say what Yeah, game? in, uh, in the IGN. You... It was a Warhammer 40k regicide game. Okay. So, yeah, and that was, you know, very best game in the IGN Black Beast Awards. So, you know, it's highly acclaimed and it was had very good scores online and was launched on Steam. I don't know how it was maintained after I left and all that stuff. I'm sure it was doing good. But I just, you know, they were like, right, we're getting straight into mobile. And I was like, You're like nope. You're like me when I flip the papers. I was like, oh. Well, uh -oh. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. But then I was like, what do I do with my life? You know, I was like at this point where I hit the pinnacle of video games and I was like, and I can't hack it. And now I'm overqualified for like every single thing, everything that I'm overqualified for now in right. the games industry, which, you know, is not an ideal scenario. And um, I couldn't go in as a lower level that would be less stressful. I'd be in this or not. And I was like, I can't do that. And then I was like, you know, I truly felt like I'd lost everything because I left university early to join, like, so I didn't finish my degree so I could join the industry. Because I was like, ultimately the whole point of the degree is to get a good job. And like, it was a great job at the time. And it did serve a decade, but then I was like, no degree. I've got like, I've got an established career in something I could never go back into at any level. Like, what the fuck is going to be for me? So I started, I started like honestly all I could think of is like I just and I, I didn't know where I could go so I would just started cleaning houses um I was literally like scrubbing people's toilets um mm. but in and amongst all of that like my just at the very end of that video game development my, my bro was like we should go to Peru and do ayahuasca <laughs> so I was like ayahuasca. sure sit in some tents and do some <laughs> ayahuasca <laughs> right um and this is right at the very end of that game and so you know i sort of had finished the game had my like kind of moment 
I held it together, obviously, until we launched because I, I had to get that bloody thing. It kill, almost killed me. And you had to be me. professional, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to serve and like, and then I was like, oh my god, you know, uh, I'd never done psychedelics before at this point. <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't, I did not know what to expect, and I certainly didn't understand what I was getting myself into. <laughs> but ultimately, it was probably one of the life, most life-changing things that I've ever done. And I've I know that. it's funny because I remember people telling me that they're like, "Oh, it's gonna yeah. change your life," and I was like, "Is it really?" <laughs> <laughs> it literally did, though. It changed your life, basically. Oh yeah. Don't tell me that's like. I mean, did you start I... seeing galaxies and whatnot? Is that like? Yeah, I do. Really? <laughs> so we have all your paintings and all your galaxy talent of painting the universe to, uh, we owe that to ayahuasca. Right, in part, yeah, like, for sure. It's That's like, awesome. I, my first, uh, my, my partner at the time before I went mm -hmm. said, you're going to die before I went, which is obviously the most fabulous thing to tell someone before they, like, to right? really believe that it was like, what? deadly and of course like it's got to be done in a safe setting i did it in peru where it's legal did it in a very reputable place it's not something that is it's definitely not what i would consider like it's not a party thing <laughs> like you do it right. for like some serious work right yeah yeah um so i think oh sorry not recreational so i think that going into it with that mind and understanding that um so obviously i was in a very amazing place um and the first session, I did four of these ceremonies. Like, obviously, you're in a Madaloka, and it's like, you know, it's about, I don't know, 10, 15 of you. And then there's like people looking after you, and then shamans, and you drink this tea, kind of. It's like muddy, licorice water, which okay. sends you literally into outer space. And that first one, all I did was like contemplate, like, am I dying? What is this? Everyone was like wailing. And like, I was like, this is fucking so weird. And like the next day you'll sit around and you have like an integration and um and the put like people were like yeah this one woman woman really st stood out to me she, her story and she said yeah like i just became a dragon and i felt so powerful and strong and then i realized that i ah that is that power that's always been within me and she went from being at the beginning of the retreat <clears throat> incredibly meek and mild lady all the way through to the end where she was just so strong and powerful not in a overbearing way but just in a way that just exudes confidence and i was like holy fuck i just wasted that one ceremony so the second ceremony i was just like how deep can we go <laughs> i was like see the potential and wow that is, i just had all this I just shot up into the universe and had all these. I mean, obviously, every everyone is different. I don't want to color people's expectations because I also had a whole ceremony where I just stared at my hands. Mm. <laughs> you know, we, like every single one's different. You know, in, in a very different way. But yeah, I shot up into the universe and had all these questions about like, why is there not nothing? Like, why does anything exist? Like the device that we're talking through right now or the clothes that we're wearing or the you know or whatever we're sitting lying or standing on like where did all of this stuff come from and even if you say the big bang or you say god what came before that and yeah, why yeah. did it ever start in the first place so i was like contemplating on the you know the most sublime question right the one that could never really be answered mm -hmm. i had all these realizations about life and the existence and meaning and i was like and i, I realized that that I got those thoughts naturally, even if I wasn't 
taking anything. If I look out at the stars at night, because I think when you do look up into the heavens, and on a dark night, which invariably very few people have access to because light pollution is such a massive issue. Right. But when you're in a really dark area, you know, it's not just a couple stars. The whole sky is an entire blanket. And some of those are so bright, it almost feels like they, they pierce your soul. It's right. just, it's just breathtaking. breathtaking yeah. and, I, and I just, and I just had to start painting it because for me, I didn't know, I'm not really a religious person, but I found some sort of spirituality in the stars. Like it was a connection to something much greater. And it's a question that I could never answer. So I was like, hmm, <laughs> I need to paint this. So it's kind of become a little bit obsessed by it. <laughs> but I, you know, I didn't fall into being an artist straight away. Right. Does, is that when you first started painting? But were you, you were dabbling in it before, yeah? Um, no, like, so at that point, I hadn't picked up a paintbrush for like probably 15 years. And that was probably because I was in like high school equivalent yeah. or like we call it college. Right. But obviously, it's like when you're 18, 17, 18 right. years Back old. Back in your school so days, like, that was the last time of... you painted? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So a little bit while I was at school. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. But like, I never, the reason why I never entertained it, because I really thought that you could never be. You could never be a level of success. But one of the most beautiful things happened. It was like, it was like all of these different moments happened at one point. Mm -hmm. So firstly, I'd, the whole of my previous existence had crumbled because I, I had to leave the industry. It was too stressful. I was overqualified for everything now and I couldn't go back into it. So the, uh, there's that on one side, which is clearing out everything that wasn't meant to be and then having this mind opening experience, but I still didn't know, you know like it still doesn't like I still didn't leave on like a really clear path. Um, yeah. and, and I still was very much under the opinion that artists were failures. <laughs> like I didn't <laughs> think that you could be a success with it. Those loser artists, I'm telling you. Like loser. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's taken me years, even when I had masses of success, even when I was earning six figures as an artist, I struggled to really, I would literally, if someone said to me they're an artist, I'd like roll my eyes. I'd like, it's the know. whole struggling <laughs> artist thing. Yeah. Even to myself, I'd be like, oh God, you sound terrible. Don't tell yeah. anyone you're an artist. I used to say, you know, I'm an ex-video game developer turned to deep space artist because I, that was part of my identity that was like me as a success. Yeah. <laughs> like, didn't want to tell anyone I was an artist. Right. Super embarrassed by it. Yeah. But now and you've let that, that, that go, yeah? Oh, yeah. 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 Thoroughly. <laughs> you don't have <laughs> to say that years. anymore. <laughs> you don't have to mention <laughs> that anymore. Yeah. You can just be an yeah, artist. Yeah, it's so funny. It, it is funny because like, I'm now in spaces with people that are desperate to be full-time artists. They do anything. And I almost feel guilty because like, I spent all my life avoiding it, but it was just my thing. It was just meant to be, mm. you know? And while I was at that retreat, um, which, uh, which was a Nimiakaya, if anyone's ever curious, um, I saw a lady that was painting and I was so jealous, Nick. Oh my God. <laughs> Everyone's like ooing and ahhing. The painting was all right and average. You know, it was beautiful painting in its own right, but nothing like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, and I mean, maybe I had that opinion because I managed artists professionally huh. in my career. So that's what I did. I managed whole art teams for high-end graphics. So I was a bit like, mm. yes. but I, 
<laughs> just a bit mean to admit, but I've got to be truthful, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Honest, sometimes yeah. it's it's a bit um, it's a bit hard to be truthful about bits that aren't as flattering about yourself. But it's something occurred to me, mm. and it's occurred to me about the point of jealousy is that um, jealousy isn't meant to be there to make you spiteful. Jealousy is there to make you realize that that is something that you are missing in your life. Mm. Like when I saw that, instead of being like, oh, you know, just, you know that person's bitch, you know, yeah, or whatever stupid anyone would say, <laughs> stupid bitch. Um, I thought, actually, fuck, the reason why I'm feeling, because obviously like, the afterglow of all of these like psychedelic experiences is that you, you kind of still feel like you're in the middle of it for at least a couple of months after. Yeah. So I was still very deeply introspective about all of these moments. I sat there and thought about it. I pondered on it because jealousy is not really part of me. Like mm. typically speaking, like it's not something that I spend a lot of time doing, being or whatever. But I was like, the reason why I feel like that is because deep down, I feel like that should be part of my life and it's actually part of my inner self yearning for something that, that I feel should also be for me. Mm. And like, and I think we also do it for anyone that we see, you know, someone that, you know, has worked out really hard at the gym or has done all those things or, you know, has achieved some sort of level of success, we feel jealous because we really realise that deep down we could achieve that if we wanted mm. to put ourselves to it. So rather than being downtrodden, I just want to encourage every time anyone feels like that to be inspired to be like okay all right i get the message this is meant to be for me yeah they need to so recognize that's that that's like, something that they want 100 right. percent right? right so i was like that's kind of what i need for me so um so i was like you know it was that was in november and i watched an amazing ted talk called uh, draw your future by patty dabrowski and one of also like another like fundamental moments in my life mm. because i so and the premise of it is if you, before anyone watches it is that you draw a little shitty stick figure of like <laughs> your life as it is and then a little shitty stick figure of like how you would like it to be right and like the it's just very magic that when you look at two situations and are able to visualize them your brain is just incredible you just build up connections on how to get from a to b and I drew a picture, I was going to draw a picture of me having an exhibition because I'd had this experience feeling a bit like <clears throat> jealous of this girl. I knew that uh, I would have been able to be very a very good artist because I was good when I was a little kid. But, you know, I put it aside and, and like squished that bad boy down. And I was like, no, I put the little lot on, locked it away and threw it in the basement. But I knew that I could do it. But I was like, you know what, that's quite an ambitious thing because this was kind of like a New Year's resolution for me because it was like I was watching it around December time, November, mm. December. So then I, I instead, I drew down just a picture of me painting and the picture I was painting was like a galaxy oh, okay. because I just, I was so inspired by the visions I saw. <laughs> and also like, I've liked space as a kid, like I've always right. loved it. Right. I think most people do. They, you I, know, yeah, I would it's bloody awesome. I don't see why not, but yeah. <laughs> Me and Sina <laughs> love the galaxy. Yeah, we love the universe. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, I was like, right, okay. So I just started painting, and because I'd lost, I'd lost all my inhibitions about 
about like being seen as successful because at this point I had literally lost everything. 10 years of my life just into rubble. And I was like, and I was working as a cleaner, scrubbing people's toilets, going from a very high paid executive job. You know, and there's nothing wrong with cleaners. Like, I just want to say that it's super important and, you know, you make people feel happy about their homes, but I just right. didn't feel like that was for me. Right. Like, well, and there's also just a huge happy. wage gap there from being an executive there's a game producer. <laughs> right. <laughs> a little bit of right. a wage gap. Massive wage gap. Yeah. And I started to post these things online and people were like, this is really good. You should start your own Facebook page because frankly, I don't want to sort through all your crap photos, cats. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. You know, and it grew and and like, I was fortunate that I, I, I've always DJed and that was probably a part of the reason why I wasn't super successful at um, college or university because I, I partied and drank a lot yeah. and just loved to have a good party. Um, and which is actually, you know what, fundamentally one of the most important things I ever learned because I learned how to put on an event, how to promote myself, mm -hmm. how to perform, how to, you know, get in front of people. Like, Wait, probably one of the best things I've ever... So you DJed before? Oh yeah, I DJed uh, all over the world. That completely fits you, yeah. I could see that. <laughs> no, 100%. And then as a DJ, you yeah, also, obviously. you kind of, like you said, self-promote. You are your own business. So you've already kind of uh, run that route before. So jumping into your paintings as an artist, it, you kind of do the same thing. You still have to promote yourself and do all that. but. Right. Like Cat the DJ, that completely fits. I I see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've played all over the world and uh, I've done, I used to be resident at the world's largest hard, uh, like the Southern Hemisphere's largest hardstyle club and played big festivals like DEF CON. What was your um, DJ name? Did you have a DJ name? Hot Kitty. <laughs> Hot Kitty, see, there you go. <laughs> I told you it fits. <laughs> it fits. It fits. There you go. Um, but I DJ now and do Catherine just doing Psytrance. Like I had a psychedelic experience and now it's all done psychedelic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's still very hard. <clears throat> so, um, but yeah, so I, and it's, I built, so I'd had some experience like promoting myself and doing that kind of stuff. And, and a lot of people that followed my music, which was a tiny amount of people, probably like 2000 people, you know, were very supportive and it's funny because now I look at my early paintings and they were like shit <laughs> but everyone was like oh it's so good it's so good I'm like god you guys are good at lying <laughs> yeah right I mean we all do that as artists we always look back at our previous work and we're like oh such crap like what were we thinking yeah <laughs> but that's because but, we, prog we, we progress as we you know we yeah, learn more every it, time we do it it's beautiful in its own right you know what I mean yeah. because it's like part of the journey and the journey is actually amazing in itself right. and um i so I, I built this page and, and someone said you know what? hey you should have an exhibition and i was like all i could hear was let's fill a room with space get everyone drunk and talk about space and i was like i am a hundred percent here on board on this yeah. <laughs> yeah i was like this sounds like a great party it sounds like what i could do so you know like it's funny because Outside of all of these really fundamental moments, that was a really important moment for me because uh, honestly, the side, my, the commercial side of my art piece only came into play because I was trying to get my friends drunk. Mm. Like literally, that was how it all <laughs> happened. <laughs> just trying <laughs> to throw this party and do this, fill up this space. Right, I just wanted to have a wild time. You're like, I'll DJ it. Because I kind of missed <laughs> Right, it's like DJing and I was, I, 
you know, the DJing had taken a little bit more of a backseat at that point. I still DJ, but not as frequently. Yeah. That also takes a long, a lot of time. So I was like, this sounds amazing. But all of a sudden I realized you know, eight months out of a high paying executive job. Um, so I was like, I got to sell some art. You know, I've been mm. painting these with no intention to sell them. I've never sold a piece before. And I was like, I got to do something, right? So I was like, fine, okay, let's get to it. <laughs> so I decided that um, I'd heard of Kickstarter. It's a bit like a GoFundMe, but you get something, right. something in return, right? right. And um, I was like, yeah, if I raise $4,000, I could hire a room in Sydney. I could fill it with amazing food, amazing alcohol. We get some tunes, we get some space. I could get like, I could get like a speaker from a university to come and give us like a little talk. We could just have the most lit night ever. And I was like, this sounds awesome. <laughs> so, so and you know, and I feel like that was a great intro into it because, because the purpose was to have that party. Like the downside of me failing wasn't, because I fortunately was working full time as a cleaner. So I was able to pay my own bills. But you know, the downside to me not um, not succeeding was just that my friends would stay sober for one night. So it's like the downside of failing was not that scary, mm -hmm. you know? So, and I think that was part of the reason why I went for it because I think a lot of people are terrified of the failure because it would, you know, whereas, you know, because of what it would mean. Whereas for me, I was just like, I was never expecting it to be a job. Like I, I didn't even think you could make money. I was just like, We'll give it a try, you know. Right. <laughs> Why not? Give it a shot. Um, you know, and before I launched that campaign, I was physically sick because I thought there's no way I could earn four thousand. I've never sold anything before. But then like I launched it and we we hit that in a day or so, two days. And then it just kept on going up and up and up. And it was crazy, like you know, we were having bets, like, I think it's going to end at 20,000 or I think it's going to end at 30,000 or 40,000. And anyway, after 30 days, we hit $70,000. And I was like, oh. I was like, okay, I broke. <laughs> just mind blown. It's just, even thinking about it now is just, because, because I spent, I spent like all this time trying to understand like what is it where is my place in life what even is my job you know and i and i was like oh this is my job you know crazy and that was your so, first exhibition Very that was first my first exhibition, exhibition full sell everything was sold out seventy thousand dollars and that that's validation right there right and, <laughs> and those paintings weren't that fabulous like they were oh, i mean they're worth a lot of money now, like yeah. an insane amount of money. Like anyone's picked them up, they're so, so valuable mm. because all of my other art has taken off. Mm. But it just like, you know, and I thought that was just such a fluke. And I was still, despite earning that amount of money, I still thought artists are failures. This was just a one-off. It was a fluke. Everyone just wanted to have a good party. That's the only reason why people contributed. Um, and... <laughs> So I went back and but this time I went back and I waitressed and I you know I worked in a curry house um, because I love I was waitressing when I was a kid you know yeah um, and I, I fucking stunk of curry I love curry by the way but I stunk of it it was a wretched job and it was really gross <laughs> it was just horrible <laughs> I it was yeah it was gross and 
I mean, like the place was clean, don't get me wrong, but it's just right. like you get covered in food and steam stench when it's just unpleasant. I don't yeah. know, I just was not down for that. So I, I had done that after I'd finished this first project. And then I, at some point, I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? Again? You just <laughs> like, did should... $70,000 in sales in your first exhibition. Right, I know. But I, honestly, I was so thoroughly, thoroughly indoctrinated in this idea that artists are failures that right. I literally didn't even, like, it was screamed in my face and it still hadn't clicked. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, maybe I could just do one of those things again, you know? Um, and then I was like, but 70 is a bit extreme. Maybe you can aim for 12. And like at this point, I was like, you know, I had made this New Year's resolution the year before to start painting. So this year it was just, I want to start painting big, um, you know, and so I, I, I basically had looped into this project, the idea of doing this massive piece and then donating it. Um, and is this the, was it 15 foot or 14 foot, 16 foot, that huge one you did? Yeah, yeah, so four meters, so six and a half oh, feet. Oh, sorry, by yeah, I'm doing feet. feet. Yeah, I'm doing feet. Yeah. <laughs> I you're on the, you're on the, right. yeah. You do both. <laughs> you do the right I'll, one. I'll stop measuring in apples and pears. Yeah, right. <laughs> apples and pears down the stairs, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and, and that one, you know, um, again, like I didn't think 12,000, I thought that is going to happen most likely but i was not expecting anything out there and it just went viral and it just climbed and climbed and i have i remember at the point where it closed mm -hmm. i remember like i was on a live stream and i was shaking and crying because we don't over a quarter of a million dollars Ooh. of art sales and like and i was just like oh even now it, it was like okay i've arrived like this is it right you know, so the first and, uh, validation wasn't enough, so then he got validated a second time. It's like, wake up, this is this is it. Wake up. Yeah. So then I was like, hey, right, okay, okay. this is me full time. Like, I'm this. a full time artist. Yep. And, you know, in and amongst that, once I realized I'm a full time artist, I was like, okay, what do I do? So, like, I do what every person does. I go to YouTube and I literally typed in, what do artists do all day? Because <laughs> so I had no fucking clue. I got no, you, got you no YouTube, friends in What do artists do all day? What? Well, what am yeah. I supposed to do all day? <laughs> right? I didn't know. And do you know what? That was another really important moment of my life. Was it? What was the, what what believe, was the first? Nick? What was the first Google answer? So there is a YouTube series called What Do Artists Do All Day? No shit. <laughs> right, it was originally a documentary put out by the BBC, right? Oh, and there was a foundational moment in there and I should go back and watch it. So a, a lady called Tracy Emin, who's one of the most um, prolific YBAs, young British artists. Oh. Um, and she was, um, she was doing, she, I mean, and she basically in this, um, in this uh, documentary series, basically, she was there was a point where she was standing outside of this building, right? And she looked down the barrel of the camera. And I probably got the words a little bit wrong, but it's something along to this. She's a, a, to the extent of this, right? It's just like, most people think that all artists do is paint all day, but I'm here in my East London, in front of my East London studio, and it is five stories. I've got one for accountancy and legal, one for like reproduction and printing. I've got a one for international sales and events. I've got one for packing, shipping, and logistics. And then I have my studio. 
and I just the fucking penny dropped I, yeah. I was like holy shit this is an artist who's got a team of 20 to 50 depending on like if she's running events she's exhibiting all over the world she's running a full fucking business and she's an absolute badass and i was like that's fucking it yeah. that's it i was lightly. like oh i was like it just gives me goosebumps right now <laughs> just thinking because and of the business like, aspect huh. of it i love or, the business or because aspect. of how professional it is is that is that what the aha moment was it, it wasn't just like for me um, it was painting for me it was just like realizing that it could be you know it could lead to like massive success and it's not just necessarily you and your own painting in in a in you know in a spare room right it could right. you could you could take it to a small not that there's anything wrong with that right no 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 but if you want it you could take it from the smallest pieces up to the highest ties mm-hmm. like you get to choose but those those parallel like, like those bits ex- exist right and for me that was like the first time i'd ever seen um the behind the scenes of an actually successful artist because on the front of it you know it's like on the front of it for me people don't realize i have a whole team right you know i have someone that does custom support and logistics and shipping and a team manager and someone that does like social media and someone that does pr and like like all of these other different roles like community Mm -hmm. management and moderation and like god knows what else we've got going on so like people don't necessarily see that because it's not not, it doesn't necessarily need to be visible but no they see the finished product you see the finished product right and and i think often people go like how the heck do you get so much done (laughs) i'm like well it's because i'm not doing yeah so that did that help right when you you saw her do that and break it down with her stories um every level has a different um, aspect of the business did that help i guess legitimize it for you then yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because I, um, and, and you know, and it's funny, I've been trying to understand like why I was so determined to be successful. And like when I was a little kid, so my brother and sister are eight and 10 years older than me, respectively. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so when I was little, they were at the age where they would always ask my parents for money, which is not a big deal. That's kind of what kids do. You know, they want to go and buy something or buy a game or go out, do go to the cinemas. But my parents would would always complain to me that they would always ask for money, right? And in hindsight, <clears throat> they probably didn't care that much. It's just that they were like, oh, 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 you know, to me. But as a kid, I'd made this decision. I, I kind of saw that it was kind of upsetting to them, you know, that um, that they had this high regard on money and my, my siblings didn't. Not to say that that was a bad thing. They were kids. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's what kids do, right? Right. No, no shade at all. But I remember thinking, I never want to be like that. I, I must be self-sufficient because I never want to put people through, or my family through, the stress of having to, um, you know, having to like give handouts. You know, to me, I didn't want to be that person because I, I didn't want to be a burden, and that's kind of what I saw it as. Right. It probably wasn't that, but you know, that's kind of what my little brain had worked out. So, like, all of this insane drive to be successful was just because I didn't want to necessarily be a burden on someone. I could see it was upsetting people, so I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go go all out. So that's kind of, I guess, why I ended up taking this diverse path of avoiding being an artist and then. <laughs> but you know and then eventually falling into it but yeah I the thing is though 
is it, it doesn't and I heard oh, I heard Steve Jobs say this in a in a statement before and it was like looking back all the dots align and they connect but looking forward it doesn't make sense and it's like it didn't make sense that I went to university but didn't complete because I was a DJ it didn't at the time <laughs> it didn't make sense that I was like killing myself at a video games job um, but looking back what I did learn was I learned how to like promote myself and hold events and be able to hold my own and, and learn how to create excitement and enthusiasm you know, I learned how to launch a product, how to organize huge teams, how to mobilize people, both on art and code and tech and, and PR and advertising, all in one big movement. I learned how to, uh, I learned how to like make things work, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and launch, like launch strategy. Like I cannot stress enough how important learning how to launch a product is for every single artist, creative or whatever, like, right. because, it's one thing to spend your heart, all your energy on making something beautiful, but if then it goes out and it, it reaches like this, mm -hmm. like no one sees it, then it, you know, I'm not saying it's a waste because I, I understand that some people do art and it's just for them. And that's beautiful and that's amazing and, and that's a-okay. There's no problem with that. But if it is that you're doing it for a higher cause and you want to get a message out there, then you know, you gotta, you gotta work it, right? You gotta right. get out on social media. You gotta get it out there. You gotta get exposure. Like, if if it's a message that you're like super passionate about getting out there, you gotta learn this stuff. And, um, I saw you. And and that was all because I did games, and and it gave me a level of professionalism that I take into my art career now. Right. So. So every little nugget you've picked up along the way, but you're just realizing it now, or you, when you look back on it, obviously you, you understand it. Yeah. Right, that's for sure. That's awesome. Um, when you did start, though, you did you just jump into, I, I know what medium you use, but I know everybody probably get this question all the time. Um, what do you paint with? You paint what medium? You know, is it acrylic or is it um, oil-based? And I, I know you paint oil, but um, did you test out different things? I went straight into oils yeah. because uh, I watched Bob Ross. <laughs> Good old Bob Ross. And now we're going to paint Bob a little Bob bless mountain you all, here everybody. these happy little trees. Um, paint some more happy oh, little trees over here. Little, little, yeah. There are no accidents. <laughs> no, there There's are, no accidents. There's no accidents in Bob Ross world. <laughs> oh, recipes yes. Bob Ross. Um, you never tried out like watercolors or anything? Because I, I, I always thought maybe because the galaxies, they're, they're very fluid looking you know and when you use watercolors obviously there's a lot of water so it's very fluid have you ever tried that not that you need to because your paintings are no. awesome <laughs> yeah I, I really like to so and the reason being is that um i like to paint on a black canvas mm. oh yeah, yeah so watercolors wouldn't they're too transparent uh, yeah yeah so it's like you start from the void and then you add the light rather than starting from pure light and adding the void right. it's a little bit of a different but you can get white watercolors i just think i just at the time i never i mean i have since tried them but i didn't get there's like a frustration curve which you can beat if you get like good quality materials which i just didn't have <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> i have good oils so you like oil painting even if you've got crap oil paints, you can get away with it. Like, yeah. honestly, like my you go first over it and over setup. it if you need to. Ah, yeah. you know, my and also with that wet, like Bob Ross wet and wet technique, you can blend, you know, Feather. and spread paints around and, and make it flow around with Shrieker for Nebulas and Galaxies and stuff. Right. But 
my first painting setup was like probably less than 15 bucks no like i would say that it was like eight dollars for like a set of like all the different colors of tubes of paint it was like a dollar for a, a plastic sheet some literally like brushes that you would paint a house with that were like probably 50 cents each <laughs> the bristles like, come out into the paint right <laughs> as you're doing yeah. you gotta sit there and pick them up oh yeah you know what now i'm using tubes of paint that are like hundreds of dollars yeah and, and the canvases alone are like thousands of dollars just a blank <laughs> canvas yeah but here's the thing you don't have to start there like and like i think <clears throat> like you can get you can like i would say if you're going to spend money spend money on good brushes mm. but i would always recommend to not get animal fur brushes because right. it's, it's, it's just very unethical mm. yeah um and with the best intent um there may be a, a, a like ethical you know fur trader but there's a reason why fur sales have been banned so much because you have to keep the animals off in a very closed tiny containers for most of their lives and if anything that um uh, quarantine has taught us even if we just have to be staying in our houses for an extended period of time how like restless and uncomfortable it is but imagine if you were in a tiny freaking box yeah. and that was your whole life right. and you're meant to be a wild animal and you're meant to be out roaming and free so i'm not I always recommend high quality Taclon brushes, mm -hmm. um, the synthetic, and uh, they're just fantastic. Honestly, the the level of quality that you can get with Taclon today is just unprecedented. It's almost nicer. They are they are so durable as well. So um, yeah, spend your money there. Right? You can use really cheap paint and get away with it, but like you've right. got to get good brushes. That does make a difference. And yeah. and I've got to address this. <laughs> if anyone does like the Bob Ross thing. Don't don't do that thing where you flick your brush indoors. Oh, destroys it. Oh, <laughs> like I feel, honestly feel like it's irresponsible to play those episodes without putting a, a warning to say a disclaimer. Right? <laughs> they need to because atomizing, um, you know, uh, very very toxic thinners into an air into an environment that isn't isn't like ventilated without a rebreather mask. You know, and I'm not saying it's like that's how he passed away, but he he died from cancer, mm. and like one of the side effects of breathing consistent toxic fumes is cancer. Mm. I'm not saying that they are connected, but it's just you know it's causal. Better be but safe than sorry. I, yeah. Oh yeah, just don't 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 wreck yourself. Like I just kind of do a bit like socks, right? You know, when you don't want to do your washing just buy some extra socks and underwear kind of just buy some extra brushes and then just when you've done you can clean them outside like i honestly collect brushes for a month and i mm. they can just happily sit in thinners and then i will clean them once a month so you so go. you don't have to clean them indoors all the time so and yeah. just cycle cycle through them yeah Let them yeah sit so I just have, a lot. <laughs> have more on hand there's a little tip yeah that's what i would highly highly recommend just to save your save yourself you know because in particular even that odorless thinners just because it's odorless does not mean it's not toxic like it's very right. very toxic you just can't smell that it's toxic you just can't smell <laughs> just because you know so um speaking of your second exhibition uh and selling and and making and doing all that with your art uh that that reminds me of um what you just did uh for your friend sarah with what was it elements yeah yeah so you 
you could tell the story, but I'll just intro it for you. Um, because I thought it was phenomenal that you took the time to create five different paintings, unique, one of a kind, original paintings called Elements, the collection, um, to help her pay for her vet bills because of her cat. Um, and that sold yeah. out in two minutes. So in 120 yeah. seconds, they sold out. And you made money to give to her, to donate to her. So how, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, oh, it's so sad. I th not everybody really understands the connection you get to, with pets and animals if you're not, uh, if you don't have them yourselves. Right. But it's like, it's like a lot, it's like a, it's like a deep bond. It's like almost like a child or a friend. Yeah. So not as an, you know, not extreme as it is having your own child, of course, but it's like it's pretty someone close. that, you know, they're very, very close. Yeah. And it was Sarah's birthday and, um, she was given flowers for her birthday and not one of us knew that lilies were toxic to cats and one of the cats ate some of the lilies and was fatally poisoned by her birthday flowers so it had gone from this like beautiful moment of her you know her birthday to now her like animal was dying and, and it was like a like, it was like a very slow and kind of agonizing death and you know there was like fluffy as was like on a drip so long and you know Sarah was just cradling her mm. in the vets for like a couple days before she passed but all of you know she was, they were just trying to fight to save her life but there was just no way of doing it um, wow. which is so so sad and uh, she was just devastated like just crying and shaking and just just you know the family themselves have had a tough a tough run like and a lot of people have over covid you know covid has cut down all the industries where they work so everyone's hours are cut and you know as a family with a child it's like trying to um you know trying to keep everything together it's hard you know right so um yeah so i was like i can't just like sit and watch my friends suffer like i just it just something in me i couldn't let it happen so mm. i was like you know what We'll just we'll sell some art and we will pay for the vet bills, whatever That's they are. Awesome. You know? That's so awesome and, of you to do. And I was like, and I was like, I know there are lots of really serious challenges and issues in the world, but you know, this is someone that I, I, you know, I live. Sarah and I live together, and to see her go through this is just, yeah, it's just heart wrenching every day. Just seeing her crying and just not herself and. And it really, really hit hard because like, I've never met a human being that is so caring about animals. Like she's always coming home with like injured birds. <laughs> like <laughs> like her job is like, a, she like works for a forestry firm doing koala spotting and like looking oh, after wow. koalas and yeah, all of that stuff. She's just so, so caring. Like I was just, it's like such a massive vein of empathy goes through her. So I was like, I was like fuck this we can do something about this i don't like you know in and to be able to like and to get receive like like i think the vet bills are like five five plus thousand dollars um to a family that was already you know in a, a challenging position given covid right right um and it's like how do we how do we even how do we even cover it so i was like fuck it so me and the team got together and we like we we strategized we came up with a pre-launch we did all the photo shoots, we obviously painted all the pictures, got everything ready, and then we launched. And because there was only five 
pieces, we just did like manual sales. So normally I would set up whole Shopify. We didn't do that. People just like, uh, once we released the names and the, the order form, people could submit it. Mm. And literally we were inundated for those five pieces. We got nearly a hundred people asking for them. Yeesh. And it was just insane. And we could only pay, the, we, we literally had to go through every, plat every platform and work out like how soon did they message in? And then we had to plot it on a graph wow. so that we could get the, the top five people. Find a timestamp. The quickest then... fingers. Wow. Um, so then we obviously got the five people who had ordered the, the artworks. Well, the five artworks actually didn't go to five people. I think they went to four people. Um, so I bought two of them, which is very unfortunate for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but then I was like, outside of that, there were 20 people that were just, they were, they were devastated. So I made a commitment to paint for them. So I'm about 10 order, 10 paintings in. So, you know, just from that mm -hmm. campaign, which the campaign was only, let's say, a week and a half long. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd raised effectively $7,000 for charity and $30,000 just to, which, you know, like obviously you have to pay the team and make sure that all of right. their wages are covered. You gotta run the business. And gotta pay the light bills, honey. You know? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's so, awesome um, that it helped out with Sarah's vet bills and everything else going on with her. Yeah, and yeah. you know, just prior to that, um, I had done um, a project with Sophia Gadmasa who is an amazing um, astrophysicist, cosmologist. She studies dark matter halos and how they collapse into um, black holes. Mm. And, um, and this is one of the challenges with people that are studying their PhD or do, you know, completing their PhDs is that, you know, you have to do a lot of teaching support in order to earn money. Cause you're, you know, the actual study part of it, the actual writing of these papers is a full-time job. And then on right. top of that, you still have to pay your bills. You still have to live. You still have to eat. You still have to pay rent. That isn't covered. You know, so people receive grants, but on this particular one, Sophia hadn't, like they, they had, because, and I think again, it was like maybe a COVID related thing, but she, she wasn't granted part of the, the thing that she had been usually, which means that she would have had to done like twice the amount of teaching, which means like two literal full-time jobs. And, you know, she'd been in a, a challenging position in her own personal life, which mm. had caused her to fall behind a little bit on what was going on. And um, and I was like, I saw her tweets come up online and I was like, I can, I can do something about this. Like I, I'm watching my, my friends suffer, like I can, I can resolve this. Mm. So I was like, you know what, what we can do is um, you know, I can get her to, you know, I can, I can work with her. So we took her science and my artistic skills to visualize what she was doing in her paper. And we made them into prints and we launched this massive campaign over the course of two weeks from like go to launch it was like two weeks, which is crazy. I was working crazy hours again, but at least you know what? It was in something that I cared about. Yeah. And um, we raised way way more like 300 percent more than her grant was required to be wow. and we got all that money to her and helping her and, and also it was a way to visualize the work and get into people's hands so she's got all these followers and supporters that have always wanted some way in which to do it but sophia didn't want to like ask for donations mm. she wanted to give value and this was like such a good way to give value 
um so like all these people got beautiful, beautiful artwork in their homes that represents this great you know like how often can you get artwork of a black hole that's being formed by dark matter right you know i mean never so right. like it was such a unique moment in time to be able to do that and to take so. her and her numbers and her formulas and everything and then actually visualize it that oh, yeah, helps people sure. so much because I, I remember when i was for me when i was growing up i'm a visual person um i can read a lot of numbers and i, I can digest it but i prefer visual because i'm an artist um which i think a lot of artists are sim similar but i remember specifically the moment when i was growing up and i remember the galaxy just hearing the galaxy and um i used to think the galaxy universe same thing galaxy universe it's all the same and i remember there was a specific video i don't know if it was national geographic or or what it was nat geo but i remember them breaking it down in a video where it started like from the, the human size um and it just slowly zoomed out and it be, and it zoomed out to our 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 countries our states our oceans zoomed out to our planet and zoomed out all the way out to our sun to our solar and then it zoomed out to our galaxy and then it kept zooming out to show multiple galaxies inside our one our universe and i was just mind blown by that because you can't really somebody could tell you how big it is but it, it helps when you can visualize it so i can I, I can see taking her numbers and all her formulas of black holes and everything and then i would I, I wouldn't really be able to fathom it until i looked at your painting and then i would, I, right. I would be able to understand it better you know so that definitely helps people yeah you know and the funny thing is i just googled it <laughs> 1923 was the moment when we realized in human history that there was more than one galaxy up until that right. point we thought everything was in the same galaxy was in this one little galaxy yeah yeah and that's when we discovered andromeda yeah and we looked at it and we realized that that was its own galaxy and there was mm. more mm -hmm. um so up until that point this milky way was all there was Right, and I think Which, uh, yeah. the 60s or something, 67 or something, that they finally, like they, they had an estimate of, I think, 1 million to 2 trillion galaxies or something like that, but then they finally, I think in the 60s or something, found out that our galaxy is one of 100 billion galaxies, and our galaxy is a 100,000 light years apart, like it's spread apart. That's just, I can't even fathom like, it half the time. Yeah, like, so 1995, right, is when they did this Hubble Deep Field. They took the darkest patch of the sky, which they thought had nothing in it, and they just exposed it and exposed it, 342 exposures. And what they saw was like, a, it was teeming with galaxies. Right. And every, it looked like stars, and, but every single one was a galaxy. And that was the point when we were like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, there are a lot. Like, I think if I remember correctly, if you held a book at arm's length uh -huh. and you saw a full stop, that was the pa that was the size of the patch of sky that they were looking at. Huh. So if you hold a right. book. Right, and, that, and you, there was a full stop on that book. That would yeah. be the size of the patch of sky that they were observing oh, wow. in that deep field. And that's yes, just one tiny, book, but size of a field. book. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, the, the full stop, obviously, on yeah. the whole book. No, 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 yeah. but just, yeah. That's so it's amazing that that much stuff was in that little bitty spot. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so with uh, the... I'm not... 
What were you going to say? And that, not just that stuff spot, but every tiny little right. spot. Right. Now just move that spot right. around and there's a whole bunch more. <laughs> As you, I, I don't think our brains can can really fathom the whole it's it's like time like infinite like you can't really fathom infinite infinite time it our brains just can't compute that right i have but that's why the visuals the visuals help but i don't think we still fully get there you know that's what's crazy about it that's so crazy i just like to get a bit existential after a bit just be like oh this place is crazy uh, and amazing yeah. Speaking of that, with <laughs> all the galaxies and everything, do that brings me to um, aliens. So we're obviously <laughs> one little bitty uh, species of of animals and plants and humans on one little bitty planet. Do you think there's aliens out there? Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that they are. But the question is, are they ever able to get to us in order to communicate? Or will they even exist in the same? Because if you think about how far you must travel, so if you if you were going the speed of light, which is very fast, <laughs> you would have to travel for 80 years plus to get to just the top and the bottom edge. Or even, maybe even more. I, I'm sure someone will correct me, but... Mm-hmm. but just to get like so if 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 you were in a universe that was a flat disc just to get to the top or the bottom of the plate not even to get to the edges yeah you know if you put like if you imagine the dinner plate to be like a galaxy and you put a quarter on it um if you imagine that the radio wave signals that we've been pumping out since world war one mm-hmm. right would have only reached that quarter right like there are edges of our galaxy that don't know that we exist in our own in our own little galaxy inside of this huge universe of multiple galaxies right so you know and that doesn't even count for like the gap between galaxies like it's freaking massive and i don't think people understand how big it is and those bear in mind those radio waves are traveling at the speed of light right right totally not so so if you think of it that way, it's like, huh, okay, this is, <laughs> so the chances and, and like one of the things that I'm always fascinated is, is like, what is consciousness and how is it, how is it, at what point does consciousness appear? And I was obviously listening to a talk about this yesterday, uh, like the Isaac Asimov uh, memorial talks, they hold them in, in New York every year, I believe. Um, and I was listening to one and they were talking about the fact that, you know, one belief is that this concept of panpsychism, right, which is like everything in the universe has a degree of consciousness. It's just, you know, a human might be more than a dog, dog might be more than a mouse, a mouse might be more than, let's say, a beetle, a beetle might be more than uh, an amoeba, an amoeba might be more than a fungus, a fungus mm-hmm. might be more than a rock, but it's always it's always not zero it's always almost zero do you know what i mean right so it's yeah so i would suspect that given and, and that because of that like it's not like you know consciousness isn't isn't like specifically unique but maybe the degree of consciousness that we have here is 
unique in the sense of we don't know any like we are for all intents and purposes the most phenomenal things that have ever existed or, or will ever exist we don't know right. but if consciousness is an inherent property of the universe in the same way that electromagnetism is an inherent property of the earth i'm sure someone will correct me so hopefully someone will and I'll comments are going to be just blowing up you put it wrong actually probably um but if it is an inherent property of the universe then i would suspect that there might be you know, and it's not impossible to consider that, you know, chains of atoms might have formed to create the building blocks of life somewhere else. Would right. it be humanoid? Would it be an advanced civilization? Would it have light speed travel? I don't know. Right. Um, the idea of there being aliens and not aliens is both like terrifying. If there's not aliens, that's also terrifying. If there are aliens, also kind of terrifying. <laughs> so. And it's hard to believe that we would be the, the height of consciousness. Like, like we're the cap, we're the top. Uh, well, um, we certainly can say that we are the height that we know of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, that's all we know. That's probably why. That's why. Doing. Yeah. But well, it I makes no sense for, if you think about our planet in this small little galaxy inside this huge universe of multiple galaxies, if you think of the human consciousness being an Earth, it's so tiny compared to the whole galaxy and the whole universe and the multiple galaxies. So there's got to be, mathematically, it seems like there should be a higher consciousness. Yeah, and the question is, well, why haven't they got in touch with us? And my thing is like, well, maybe they're just too far away, or yeah. maybe they grew and died. Like, because you know, like we we are we are definitely trying to fast track our own way to extinction with looking after our own bloody planet. Oh yeah. So right. you know. Right. So, you know, maybe there have been, but they all killed themselves or, you know, through wars or ec ecologic dis ecological disasters. And, you know, and 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 that's to be doom and gloom, but <laughs> the Earth has had cataclysmic events that have wiped out nearly all of, you know, animal, like, a, you know, conscious living creatures. life, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all the living creatures you know there are you know you can you can dig back in ice cores and see where mm. you know there was mass extinctions because we were hit by a massive comet meteorite whatever it's called you know so and that's not impossible because you know a lot of these things we can't see in space because they're very dark it's like we only get to see them when they've got like eyes or something that's reflective but if there's nothing reflective we're looking at for a black object against a black background which is obviously a <laughs> that um that brings me to um kind of space travel because i don't know if you recently saw the news well so space well okay so there's a little company um that you may or may not have done a painting for because uh, there's an nda so we won't talk about it but uh in the news recently on a whole different subject <laughs> SpaceX just launched some people into the orbit. Did you see that? Really? <laughs> yeah. No, of course I well, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, that well, it's funny because there haven't been a lot of uh, hasn't been a lot of chat on the on the news cycles with that. I mean, the president of the United States, because I don't know what the hell is going on over here, um, didn't even like make a comment about it. And it was the first time normal citizens have gone into orbit, and it's not yeah, a headline. Yeah, you know, the story behind it was so beautiful. Like I right. just watched the, the documentary 
for it on Netflix, which I, uh, I highly recommend watching. No one's watched it. What's it called? But, you know, they've they've got just like I think one, you know, one lady who was survivor of um, childhood bone cancer and had a prosthetic, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Although I didn't know. I wasn't sure. Yeah, you know, and like just everyday, you know. Uh, Dr. Shine Proctor, who is a space artist, and like all of these just people from every walk of life, you know, a guy that was just a dad, you know, he went into a competition because they were trying to raise money um, for St. Jude's Cancer Hospital. Mm-hmm. And being able to like do all of these events together is just amazing. But, you know, like, if you think about it, like how normalized rocket flights have become and soon I suspect with humans on them too. You know, there was a point in time when like rocket going up was like, oh, crazy. Now it's like every other day and you know, you could be watching a rocket launch while sitting on a toilet on a, on a Boeing 747 flying through the air watching it because it's just so normal mm-hmm. and, and the, the way that technology has evolved is just like oh yeah like it's just normal that you could stream these things on social media which yeah. if you think about it the technology to even create that is just mind-blowing yeah yeah before so you just have to like hop in the station wagon and drive all the way to uh florida or texas when nasa was launching here in the states um i think you were talking you were talking this you're talking about um, Countdown on Netflix. That's the documentary for oh, the SpaceX yeah, launch, yeah. Countdown. Right. It's just it's a great, great documentary. And I just, yeah, I just, I recommend everyone watch it because I, I think also it, it gives hope for the future. And I do agree on that, you know. Yeah. I, I've just got to calculate this. So minus <laughs> what are you calculating? all right okay so this is gonna blow your mind because it okay. blew my mind uh, yeah so 118 years ago not that long ago that was when we first got f like that was the first time the wright brothers took off in the right. plane right 118 years ago not very long ago yep like that was somebody's grandparents ago right yeah there, there's pro- probably the oldest person in the world might be just still alive, but they were alive at a point where air flight trouble was considered like unnatural. Like the Wright brothers' father was a pastor who said, you will go to hell for flying because it is not, you know, it is, un- you know, it's unnatural. Like it didn't exist. So in the 108, like the, the rate like often sometimes we feel like we're not moving forward that fast but the rate of progression is astonishing right like not just to have commercial flights and all of this stuff all over the world but then on top of that they you know to take it to like you know reusable rockets rocketry and then right, you know being able to do regular just 118 years there was no flights and like now no. you can stream a flight on your phone and watch a reusable rocket <laughs> and right. we have a rover on you know. Mars. We have like a, th- a thing on, you know, we have an, an uh, object we created on another planet. Right, just absolutely incredible. Yes. So 118 years, That like December 17, 1903 was when that first plot flight to That's just crazy, yeah. So I mean, what you doing? think about okay. that, that's how good. far we've come. <laughs> Speaking so, of Mars, so, if, if would you ever go to Mars if they... 
had pods there and stuff and they were colonizing Mars? And if I could come back, um, uh, I yeah. think it's a one way trip. I think, I think like, if it's a one way trip, sure nah. so. <laughs> I don't know if I would want to. Personally, maybe if I was like old and ready to die. Yeah. But you could be I, the first. Um, you could be the first person to, to paint something on Mars. Maybe the first artist to paint um, on Mars. I'll send someone. I'll get someone to send me some pictures, and I'll paint those instead. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever painted a meteor, know, a meteor, or a, a asteroid? Pardon. Have you ever painted a meteor or an asteroid? Have you ever found like a cool picture? I have, yeah, I have. Yeah. One, of my, awesome. one of my earlier paintings. From I like have to go back through your portfolio and check it out. It's awesome. Yeah, you got a, a bit of a scroll down there. Actually, if you <laughs> scroll down enough on my Instagram, you get all the way back into my life where I was DJing and, and being in the screen doing that sort of stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> I left it all there just for a bit of fun. But yeah, yeah I, I don't know. So I understand the importance of becoming multiplanetary. Um, mm -hmm. I just don't feel comfortable with never being able to see the beautiful things on Earth that I, I value so much. Mm. Like half of me is like, yeah, I would love to take a trip around the moon and I would like to go on a rocket and I would love to do all that stuff. Right. But I think the idea of never being able to come back in and just be like by a, a river or see a sunset over an ocean or those kind of things I think I would deeply yearn for um, but I know that that's not everybody and I know that there are actually a lot of people that are like heck yeah I would go because they want to be on the frontier and you know what Mars is going to have its own unique things I, I think also it's like interesting to like the gravity is a, is a, is a lot less a, a little bit less than what we experience here mm -hmm. on earth so it'd be interesting to see like <laughs> on a physiological point like how that would impact people they'd probably end up being much taller actually i was gonna say you're gonna try to see how far you could jump <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought that's where you're going I would with watch that the Olymp <laughs> you're like, well, watch the gravity's a little lower and i just really want to see how high i can jump <laughs> <laughs> yeah Olymp literally, olympics would be completely here, guys. literally i just want to beat the record for highest person jumping all right <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> Speaking of, um, I'm loving those uh, little tutorials that you're doing. When you're doing those, oh, those, yeah. <laughs> those are awesome. I'm, uh, people are picking up a lot of good tips on those. Um, I was surprised at how much those tutorials was picked up. You know, it's been watched 60,000 times and saved tens wow. of thousands of times. And I've had, like, my inbox is consistently filled with people doing it. And I was like, I could be the Bob Ross of space someday. Well, I, yeah, I love those tutorials, though, because it does help a lot of people. I mean, to see the behind the scenes, to see just the techniques and, and all that so they can practice and get better at it. That It just kind of passes on the craft, which is awesome. It's funny because it was only in the act of teaching people that I realized that I knew something. Because mm. I think if you just do something naturally, you're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's nothing special. Um, but then when you teach someone and they struggle with it, you go, oh, yeah. there's something that I'm doing. That, uh, so it's like stuff that you take for granted. So being able to teach people, I've realized that it's it's a firm that I understand what I'm doing because I, I honestly, most of the time think like, 
when people have asked me to teach them, I'm like, I don't know how to teach you because I still don't know what the heck I'm doing. Right. Like, I'm still in struggle street myself. Right. So. <laughs> well, especially if you have like a specific thing that's not going right in in the project, oh. you just and intuitively know how to get it fixed or get it to where you want it to be but when you're teaching somebody it's different well yeah kind of i mean it's kind of a a, what is it like you play around with it play until you get it right right but i think like well this is an important thing to talk about right for all artists is that Mm -hmm. i know i say it often but do it then again is that it looks like shit until it looks good right 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 and then but but the point at which it looks good is quite close to the end. So you have to sort of wade through a point where your artwork looks like, oh, okay, right, yeah. and then it's done. Do you know what I mean? But you have to wade through that bit. And I think like a lot of people, one thing I get is people go, I can't draw a stick figure, right? <laughs> Do you mean that's the predominant response to like people seeing stuff? I'm like, yeah, but like the stick figure is still how you start a drawing of a a person but then you just go on you add the layers right over it you add the muscle structures the clients all the other things right Right. so it's it's like what you're drawing is meant to look like crap until Mm. you keep on and you're meant to just keep on working it until you get to a point where it's good right um that's what people and think I that think when they see comic book artists too like you said the stick figures that's how they start yeah. they literally start with the stick figure right and then you put the blocks and the triangles and the circles and get like you block it out basically and then you start adding the muscle tone and definition and then you slowly start to create the human figure same thing with like sculpting sculpting you start right. with a block of clay and you just literally chunk and block out your huge blocks and then you slowly start to right. add the details yeah so it looks like crap for a long time <laughs> right it's a like, chunky oh, block of crap this. what am i creating here somebody threw up on the canvas right i've never thought about it being like working on with clay but that's mm-hmm. the perfect analogy right. because at some point like people often stop and go i can't do art or i'm not able to do art because I've, all i've got is a chunky bit of crap and I don't know where to go from here. Um, but that is actually the first stage. Right. You're just meant to keep on working at it. Yep. That's all, you know. Yep, yep. Well, keep doing those tutorials because I'm sure people are getting a lot out of them. I'm loving seeing them. Um, I know people are liking them. So keep doing those. Those are awesome. And keep keep up with your paintings. I mean, we're, everybody, if you guys are not following Cat, which obviously everybody is already, but if you're not, and you should be. <laughs> Uh, all her social media is um, her name so it's uh, Catherine Machin so C-A-T-H-R-I-N M-A-C-H-I-N and that's on all social media platforms so Instagram Twitter Facebooks all of those Uh, and then your website is Cat Machin right yeah, but so there's almost nothing on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's super cool, though, when you go to the website. I mean, the, the splash page right there, it's got your uh, the beautiful galaxy, and then it's got a lot of your paintings on there from your portfolio. Yeah, I just need to add more. There's a lot of paintings I've done, and it's a limited display. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah. the website is catmachin, so it's C-A-T-M-A-C-H-I-N.com. <laughs> so check that Thanks, out. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate and if, you. <laughs> if you're not following Kat, um, do it now. But I'm sure that everybody do it. do it. Do it. And all, all the links are going to be down below on YouTube. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, I just said it for you. So there you go. Kat, I truly appreciate you hopping on. Thank you very, very much for taking the time out. 
Um, I know you're super, super busy, so I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Nick. Appreciate you. Yeah, it's great getting to know more about you and keep keep it up and we'll keep in touch. Sure. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye.